Tonight we're going to be in um, Psalms 44. Uh, this is another Psalms of the uh, sons of Korah. Um, and here in this psalm, uh, you're going to see kind of a, a progression, and it's a progression that I believe is kind of um, what David has always, even though David didn't write this, but I think his influence uh, of how he thinks and how he, he uh, portrays himself and the things in which he does, you, you see a progression that you see, I believe, that you see with David an awful lot is... Well, just remember uh, his uh, uh, bout with Goliath. Remember how David approached that? Why was he able to stand up against Goliath? Why did he think he was able to do that? Because he believed in God. He believed in God, but not only just did he believe in God, he believed in what God could do and what God has done for him. And that's what you're going to see in this psalm. You're going to see even in a moment, in, in the present distress of, 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 of going through a trial at the moment, the psalmist here still, like David, still remembers what God has done, knows what God is doing, and also knows what God can do. So even in the midst of trials, I think a good lesson as we go through this psalm, a good lesson that we could keep in the forefront of our minds, even when we're in the presence of, of a distress, don't try to figure out why you're going through it. We're going to see some things with this, this psalm tonight that um, may surprise us a little bit of, of why they're suffering through this. But always keep in mind that they're not thinking of just this present distress. They're thinking of God in this distress based on what he's done before. Their trust on what he's going to do helps them get through that moment, even though it's a very trying time. And I think that's something that we need to remember because when we're facing that trial, when we're facing that heartache, when we're facing whatever it is that's right in front of our face at the moment, it, it, it's easy to forget that, isn't it? It's easy to forget we still serve a living God. So we have to constantly remind ourselves, this is what God has done for me. I can look back at the other distresses that I had, other trials in my life, and now that I'm through that, Ever how, whatever the outcome was, I can still see the work of God in that. And now that I'm able to look back on that, so I need to keep that as a, 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 a kind of an anchor point to get me through what I'm going through and also know this is what I know God has promised that He's going to do. So when I have these two bookends, it's going to help us in the middle. Because in the middle is where we spend our everyday life, isn't it? In the middle is what we're going through now. In the middle is the things that we're facing now. And we really need those other two things to kind of get us through the steps that we're going through. We're going to see some different things with that as we go through this. But look at, let's look at verses 1 through 3 first. It says, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. Now, I, I don't believe there's a time that we can put with precision accuracy, I don't think, 
of exactly when this is, but this seems like the time that he's talking about here of the things that they heard of when God brought them out of Egypt and then all that they went through, but also brought them into the land of Canaan and they conquered that land. They drove out the people. But here they're saying, we heard stories about this. We, we heard this with our own ears. And in hearing this, the stories that we heard, it wasn't the people's own doing. It was your doing that did this. It was you, God, that, that to, you know, drove these people out. It was you that, that upheld these people. Now, there's a couple things with this that, that kind of stick out with me. One is the responsibility, I believe, that we have at, to pass on to that next generation, whether it's our own children, whether it's somebody else, whether whoever it is, that next generation that comes up, we need to make sure that we are passing down the things that we know that God has done for us, shouldn't we? You know, we should let them know. And that's something I think is a little bit foreign to us sometimes. Because we think of that as, what? A testimony. You know, we're, we're given a testimony when we tell of what God has done for us. Well, what's wrong with that? Now, when we use testimony in place of salvation, you know, when the Bible talks about salvation, how someone uh, is saved, it always gives that plan of salvation but there's many times it also says, and with many other words, what did they do? They testified about what God has done for them. So I think it's a responsibility and a privilege that we have to pass that down. Here, they're able to say, okay, and we're going to get into some things they're facing. We're facing this, but here's the stories that we heard. We heard this with our own ears of, of, of how you drove out the people, of how you uh, conquered these things, of of even what you did to your own people because they wouldn't serve in you. So they know the, the good, bad, and the ugly of things. They, they know the rewards of God and they know the wrath of God too because it was handed down to that next generation. You know, as Titus was speaking Sunday night, I was thinking about this as I was kind of uh, preparing for uh, Psalms 44 when he went to Deuteronomy. And we do, in, in Deuteronomy 6 there, we always go to teach that to your children. And we do just stop there. But how do we teach that to our children? And he went on and brought that out by living that every day of our lives. That's how our children see it. That's how we teach that to them when we're sitting down, when we're lying up, when we're going about our day. In other words, they've got to see these things, God's statutes in our life by the things in which we do. That's how they hear it because it's on our lips, it's on our minds, it's in our actions. And I think that's what he says here. We have heard with our ears, O God, as our fathers have told us. He didn't say here, as our father told us. This isn't just a father that sits down and says this to their children. This is that generation that told it to the next generation. Because you probably heard it from many a pulpits and many a time in this pulpit. We're just one generation away from what? Apostasy. And it could happen. You know, a, a good example, this member, there's a generation that grew up that knew not Joseph. Remember that? They, they, they didn't know about uh, what God had done for them. They didn't know about this because somebody didn't teach it. So now what happens? We, we see what happened that brought that uh, in Egypt, all the, everything that led to the, the plagues and everything of them going uh, leaving Egypt. It gets to the point where somebody doesn't teach that. So here it says that, that they taught it. And, and go with me, if you will, to Joshua 24. This is rather lengthy, but I couldn't really find a good stopping place. It's uh, verses 6 through 14. 
He says, then I brought your father, this is Joshua speaking, as he gathers the people together and as he's given, uh, given that speech, if you will, about, okay, here's what we've seen, here's what's happened, here's what's going on, and now it's time to make a choice. Make a choice based on what you know, based a choice based on what you've seen, make a choice on, based on what you've heard around you. Notice what he says. He says, then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, this is him talking about God, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord. He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess the land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippar, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Pezzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gersesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. Now notice, this is what Joshua is saying. Same thing that the psalmist heard about. Notice what Joshua is saying here. He's saying, but it's not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwelled in them. You eat of the vineyards and olives groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but it is for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what is Joshua trying to get across to them here? Yeah, put God first. It, you're able to enjoy these things. They were able to enjoy these things because of God. Now, there's times that uh, you know, we can think about uh, Jericho, for example. Uh, did, the, did the people have to do a lot for the walls of Jericho to come down? They had to obey God, but they didn't go in with force and take it. Remember what he said to Joshua, into your hand I give you this city. Now, it, it, it was God the reason they were able to do that. That was the grace of God. The grace of God was the instructions in order what to do, and God would take care of the rest which is the same thing he still does today. He says, you do what you can do, I'll do my part. But he's telling them here, he says, you've got to remember, you get to enjoy the benefits of this, but remember where that benefit comes. You know, we can say today, all the things that we do, I do this by my own hand. I work for a living, I've, I've got calluses on my hands, I'm the one that does this, I'm the reason i got food on the table, I'm the reason I can pay my bills, I'm the reason I'm able to do all this. Is that really true? Where did I get the ability to do that? Where did I get the health to do that? Where did I get the knowledge to do that? That comes from God. I can't back up far enough to get ahead of God, can I? 
even though I, I have the ability to do these things that God give me, and hopefully the willingness to do it, I still can't back far enough up for God. God's always going to be at the forefront of it. And I think that's what the psalmist here is, is talking about. Says we've heard with our own ears how this happens, the deeds that you did. And it wasn't by our own arms and our own sword. It was because of yours. Um, and when we think about these things, uh, we need to realize that I, I think that's how we face the things that we face today. And I think that's how it starts out here. Okay, they're going to get into what's going on now, but before they can do that, they have to remember the things that happened before. I think that's how we face things. People say, well, you can't live in the past. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. We have to live in, live in the past as far as remembering the past to remember the things that God has done. And if we do that, I think that bolsters us, that, that builds us up, that comforts us, that gives us strength to be able to face. Okay, I've gone into this dark place before, but I realized I wasn't alone. I may have felt alone then. I may have felt like God wasn't anywhere around then. I may have felt like I was the only one doing it. Now I can look back and I can realize I wasn't alone. I, I, I can see how God got me through that. He may not have stopped it from happening, but I can see how he was there with me. So now we can take that knowledge and apply it to what we're facing today, whatever it is that, that may come. And I think that's what would give us strength. That's why David was able to face Goliath. He said, because of I was watching the sheep, remember? Watching the sheep, bear come take the sheep, lion come take the sheep, but I went and got it. And the same God that delivered me from them is the same God's going to deliver me for this. David looked in the past to look what's going on now, how God's going to take care of him. And I think you see those overtones here of, of David's influence, I think, in doing that. And I think David did that a lot. Any, any questions or comments on that before we move on? Do you think that helps you to look in the past? Right. It wasn't, you know, a flash in the sky and an angel killed 10,000 people. Most mm -hmm. of the time it was through providential means that God... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you look at even the, the, the whole process of, of Joseph through everything that happened. Other than the dreams, everything else fell along providentially. You can even look, uh, a good one I always like, and I get a little chuckle out of it when I think of it, is Peter coming out of prison. The only miraculous there was the shackles fell off and the door, everything else, Peter still had to get up and walk out, open the door, close the door, go out and go over to the house where they were praying for him, remember? The, Lazarus being raised, why didn't he come out with all the, the, the garments off of him? See, yet there, there's things that God, we can see God's at work, but there's, there's the ways in which he works that we still do the things that we can do, but it's still by God's ability. So when we think God, and I think that's a good point, when we think that God doesn't work, He doesn't. God is still miraculous. God is still the same God. It, it's how He works, but He still works in our lives. And if we didn't believe that, why would we utter a prayer? Would there be any need to pray? What we think He's going to do? You know, I've, I've told you a story before going to the hospital, and I kind of chuckle now, but it's not funny, but I, I, I still recall it in the elevator, him standing beside of me, 
praying for a lady there in the hospital and saying, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be good. We pray. God's going to do it. We get in there before the elevator door closes. He said, she'll be dead before morning. That's the exact words come out of his mouth. Now, she may have been, but to me, that was a useless prayer if you believed that already, wouldn't it? Well, what's, what's really the point? I, I need to pray in faith that something's going to happen. Now, I need to be careful how I do that because I don't know how God's going to work. The best thing may be for the person not to get better. That, that may be the best thing. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in a lot of things, but I know when I pray, I need to pray with faith, but I need to pray the right way. But we do serve a living God, and we need to remember how he's worked and, and how he's going to. Somebody else over here was going to say something? I thought I heard something over here for this. Mm-hmm. And, and I really think we focus too much on trying to figure that part out. And I don't think we ever can. God's thoughts isn't like our thoughts, is he? You know, if I think, I think I can get more discouraged trying to think how God's going to work my problem out than just knowing that he can. You know, one of my favorite lessons that I've ever preached and studied is about how God is able to do something. Not what he's going to do, but that he's able to do. That's why I like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so much. They said, our God is able to deliver us, but if he does it, we're still not going to serve you. Man, I tell you what, that's the, the best testimony of faith in God I believe you can have, isn't it? We don't know what God's going to do, but we're still not going to do the wrong thing. They had no idea. But they knew he could do something. They knew what he was able to do. And I think that's what's going to give these individuals strength. That's what Joshua was saying to them. Look, you've got all these things because of God. It's time to make a choice. You're going to serve him or not? Look what he's done for you. Look, look where you're at. Look what you're able to enjoy. You think that's come from you? That didn't come from you. That come from God. You're just enjoying the benefits of it. Yeah, that's right. I tell you, I believe that's why our country gets in the shape it is. Don't realize the sacrifices that's made to get individuals like they are. I think that's how kids do sometimes. I was like that as a kid. We want to start out where it took mommy and daddy 30 years to get to, don't we? We don't want to go through anything to get there. You know, that's how we are as parents. Well, I don't want you to have to go through this like I did. You know, you start out better here, and it's supposed to be with every generation. But I think that's what happens is, you know, like any country, it starts out with sacrifice. It starts out with hard work. It starts out with all these things. Then you get into excess. When you get into excess, you get into you know, all of these other things, then you start seeing decline, don't you? And I think that's what happens even in our Christian life. We forget what it took for us to even be a Christian. We forget the sacrifice that Christ made. We forget all of these others, that these martyrs, what they had to go through just to fight for Christianity, and then we get to enjoy an air-conditioned building on soft pews. And it's still, it's hard to get people to come. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I've studied with people before and tried to get them to obey, and, and they've said, well, my mom and daddy were faithful, or my grandma and grandpa were faithful. Well, good, what's that have to do with you, though? I mean, you can't ride their coattails into heaven. You know, what, what are you going to do for that? But I think that's what we're seeing here, and I need to move on, or I won't even get past this. Now, notice what happens. It kind of changes a little bit here in verse 4. It says, you are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Though you were, uh, though 
Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever. Salah. So not only does the author here remember what the Lord has done for his people, but he also remembers what God has done for them now. He's saying, okay, because of that, I'm not going to trust in my bow. I'm not going to trust in my sword. I'm not going to think it's all because of me. See, the people tried that before, remember? Remember when they went out and they got defeated at Ai? You remember that? Why did they get defeated? God didn't go with them then, did he? They had sin in the camp. Before they were, had victories because God went before them. This time they didn't, and they thought they could just go out and whoop them no problem. But they found out different. So I think that's what happens. We forget what God did and can do and will do, and that affects how we do things now. But here they remembered what he did, but now they also remember what he's doing. Um, said, you have, you have saved us from our enemies. You have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long and praise your name. So we're seeing here where they're giving God the credit, saying it's you that's done this. And I think that's why I see some overtones here, if you will, overtures of, of David. You know, David said several times, he, or he, he always gave credit to God. He never gave himself credit. It was always, God, you have done this. You brought me out of the pit. You, you were able to defeat my enemies. You will defeat my enemies. You can defeat my enemies. Uh, you're the one that is doing this, God. Even when he sinned against you, you only have I done this, he said in Psalms 51. So you, you see that kind of thought process of everything that we do is associated with God, isn't it? You know, the things that we do, the victories that we have, even the defeats that we have, God is still there with us and it's, it's things that can teach us. But here they're giving him credit for uh, being able to defeat uh, the enemies. Now, as, as we read this psalm, we may think that this psalm is, is just about praising God and, and thanksgiving. We've heard what you've done. We're seeing what you've done. And, and part of it is, but this psalm, uh, it, it takes a turn now and describes the suffering that they're enduring, enduring now. Um, look, look starting here at verse 9. Going through maybe 16. We'll see how far here. It says, But you have cast us off and put us to shame. Now, now notice here, verse 9 starts a little different. Verse 9 brings about a complete change of, of thought here. Or it, it almost seems like it's, it's a contrast. He says, But you have cast us off and put us to shame. The cry of the people is their desire to know why the Lord no longer is going out with them in battle. Okay, here's what you've done, here's what you continue to do, but now in their mind something is different. Why, why aren't you going out with us now in battle? So, something's different. Something they feel has, has separated that relationship. That's what they're feeling in their mind. And notice how, how they do this. Here, look here in verse 10 and following. It says, You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing. 
and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a uh, uh, derision to those all around us. You make us a, a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger. So something has changed. Now this still shows a, a, a personal connection they feel with God. They're giving God, God, you're the one that did this. You're the one that helped our fathers. You're the one that conquered the land for our fathers. You're the one that was helping us in battle. It wasn't our sword. It wasn't our arm, just like it wasn't their arm and it wasn't their sword. But now they feel something's different. And they still keep that personal connection. God, you're, you've done this. You've caused this reproach. You've caused this, this shame upon us. You've caused our, our, to hold our head down. You, they're, they're, they're saying that, that God is, is, in essence, punishing them for something. And they don't know why. You know, it, again, I, this is kind of like David. David, many times, you know, God, why have you, why have you done this? These things are happening, and he, David tries to start defending himself, but I've not done anything. You know, I, I've not done anything for this to actually take place. So now you've got a nation, as it were, telling God, okay, th there's this separation now. Why is that? Why do you think it is? Why would God be against a nation? Because of sin, right? They wouldn't do what they're going to do. That's usually our reaction. But we're going to see here that that very well not, may not be the case. And, and this is, I'll be honest, this is what's a little bit troubling. This kind of gives me some flashbacks to Job. Because that's exactly what Job's friend said to him, wasn't it? You're going through this because of what? Because you've done something. You've had to have done something. We've never seen the righteous suffer like this if they hadn't done something. And we see how the end of the story went. And the story was Job's friends were wrong. They were right in essence what they're saying. They were wrong in how they applied it. So as, as I was reading this and, and, and going through listening to all the things that they said that they feel like God has done, you know, you look here, it says, You make us turn back from our enemies. Those who hate us have taken spoil from themselves. You've given us, it's almost like they've given up here. Now they're going through a, 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 a present trouble. And they want to know why God didn't do anything about it. Matter of fact, they're thinking, okay, God, you're allowing this and you're causing this. And it, it makes you think that, okay, that nation's turned against God, so this is why God is doing that. But then they go on and defend themselves, like David did many times in the Psalms, saying, I have integrity here. I, I've not done anything. Search my heart and see. If you can find anything, I'll, I'll, I'll repent of it. But at this particular time, David knew he hadn't done anything and he couldn't figure out why God was allowing that or causing that to happen to him. And just like Job had to learn, just like David had to learn, just like these individuals here uh, in, in Psalms at this time, sons of Korah here are having to learn, and I think we still have to learn today, it doesn't have to be sin because bad things happen to us. It doesn't have to be sin because we may be going through some suffering. Sin may not have anything to do with it based on what maybe we've done. I'm not saying that we would be sinless, but it doesn't have to be sin that causes the suffering. And that's a hard pill to swallow. 
hard pill for Job to swallow. It's a hard pill for David many times to swallow. And David was one that would admit his sin, wouldn't he? He's the one that says, okay, God, I, I've sinned. But when he knew he hadn't, he defended himself to God. I, I hadn't done these things. I hadn't done what the enemy's saying I've done, and you know I've not done them, but yet you're allowing this to happen to me. He couldn't understand it either. I think that's just human nature is, okay, if this is happening to me, there's got to be a reason for it. We, we want to find the reason. We want to find that pinpoint thing either that we can blame or that we can accept. And if we can't find that, then that just brings us misery, don't it? When it just comes out to be, maybe it's just happening. Maybe it's because life's not fair. Maybe it's because this world's not fair. Maybe it's because we live in a world of darkness. Even though we're letting our light shine, the world's still in darkness. And that very well may be why we're going through that. But we have to pinpoint it or we can't have some satisfaction or gratification out of it. We, we need some peace of mind. When our peace of mind needs to be, okay, this is happening. I don't know why it's happening, but I still know what God's able to do. How come we can't think past the trouble and the wanting to figure out the trouble? I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is to it. I've not figured it out because when I see something, a lot of times when I, I see something, I, I see the, okay, here's what it is, but here's what it's probably going to turn out to be and try to figure out why and how you can navigate around it when you just got to realize things are just going to happen. Sometimes it's because of our actions. Sometimes it's because of somebody else's actions. Somebody, sometimes it's just because it happens. We don't know why. Life's not fair. We serve a sovereign God. So, you know, God has the ability to do what he wants to do in things, and this world has the ability to do that, and sometimes we're caught in the middle of it. That's what Job was, wasn't he? He was caught in the middle of it. But here they're, they're facing something now. that They've had that strength of what God's done. They've got the strength of what he's done for them even in the, the recent past. But now what's going on in the present is kind of tough. It's not that they don't trust in God for what he's done and what he can do. It's that they can't figure out why it's happening right now. It's always about the why. When sometimes we just need to forget about the why. The why doesn't change anything, does it? You know, if you know, does it really change anything? If, if, well, if I just know why, then I can get through it better. Could we really? I don't think so. It's like Tim Smith used to tell me in India. <laughs> I'd get up every morning and I'd, I'd talk to uh, uh, my interpreter and my driver going, where are we going today? And they'd rattle off big names about this big, four or five different places. And Tim always says, did it change anything for you? Do you know any more than you did? You don't know a bit more than you did when you asked that question, so quit asking that question. It doesn't matter. Get in the car. That's what he'd always say every morning. Get in the car. It really doesn't matter. And it didn't. It didn't change anything. I didn't have a clue. All I just knew was going somewhere. And sometimes I could pronounce the name, sometimes I couldn't. But in my mind, I felt like I needed to know. I felt like that was going to give me some sense of control of the situation if I just knew. And it did nothing. I had no control <laughs> when it came to that. And, but I think that's what we want to do in our lives. We need some sense of, if I could just figure out why. Yeah, maybe, I guess. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the answer is to it. I, you know, I think about myself sometimes. I think I've got faith in God, and I trust in God, but I still, I have to know, I have to know why. I feel like I've got to know that why of anything. I mean, that's my family. They can be talking about something over here, and I will not shut up till they tell me exactly what's going on at that particular moment. And if they would just tell you, I've never understood that. If they just stop and tell you, it'd take less time than fuss at me for asking. But it never happens that way. But anyway, but we have to know, don't we? I mean, we just kind of have to know. And we think that gives us some sense of understanding and peace to go on about what we're doing. But sometimes it really doesn't, because sometimes there's really not an answer. I mean, there, there's really not. It's just, you know, Solomon, go, go back and read Ecclesiastes. I think that's a good thing to do. There's just, things are going to happen. And, and we just need to blame it on somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Burton, do you have something? And it don't. I just think, I guess in just our human minds, we just, we think about it as closure. We think about it as bringing peace. And many times it doesn't. Knowing it doesn't bring that because you still have to go through it. And I think that's what's hard to, to realize sometimes. Where am I at? Verse 17? Okay. Um, let's look at verse 17 through maybe 22. All this has come upon us. But we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our hearts have not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals, and have covered us, covered us with the shadows of death. If we had forgotten the name of our Lord, or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. So here they're saying, we ain't done nothing. You know, and if we did, you would know it. But we hadn't done anything. Um, and I think that's, that's hard to swallow. Look in Romans chapter 8. Paul actually talks about this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it's written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So Paul quotes this verse. And Paul, I believe, is the perfect person to do this, but think about all the things Paul went through. I mean, you go to 1 Corinthians and read all of them in pearls of this and pearls of that. I mean, you just get tired of reading all the things that Paul was faced with. But yet he says, you know, we were accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I think one of the biggest things, as Vanessa was saying earlier about, you know, about our faith, you know, God used that with Abraham, you know, when he said, now I know. When is God, when does, I don't want to say maybe when is he at his greatest, but maybe when do we portray him as his greatest? When we're the weakest, don't we? Because that's when our dependence is on Him more, isn't it? That's when the world sees God's 
God's glory more when we're in our weakest moment and how we handle that. And that's, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? That's a lot of responsibility. And our darkest time is when the world's looking at us the most. And our darkest time is when God can be shown the most. And what are we showing? Are we showing what we should? Paul says here, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And he says at the very beginning, who can separate us from the love of Christ? He said, all these tribulations, all these things, does that mean God doesn't love us? No one can separate us from the love of Christ. doesn't matter what they do to us. They can't separate us from that. So we're more than conquerors through Christ, through Him who loved us. So I think Paul, going back to the Psalms here and looking, feeling the same thing that they felt. Okay, here's all these things happening to him. But Paul takes it a step farther and said, yeah, but we're more than conquerors through Christ. I can give you a list, and Paul gives us a list of all the things that he went through. But he said, you know what bothered me the most? Is worrying about the brethren. He wouldn't worry about himself. He was worried about the church. He said, because I don't have to worry about myself because no one can separate me from him who loved me. I'm, I'm more than conquerors in that. And Paul, Paul died a, you know, from a pretty evil emperor. You know, you, you think about what he faced and up to death, and he faced death, and he still said, I'm, I'm more than conqueror. He said, I, th- this isn't all that there is. And I think that's the point. There's got to be things to help us look beyond here, don't they? What if, I mean, just think about it. What if everything went right all the time, nothing bad ever happened? Well, that's what it was like in the garden before sin entered, wouldn't it? It was a beautiful place. But look where we've come to now when it comes to having to make that choice. There has to be, for their good, there has to be what? There has to be evil, don't they? There has to be that choice to make. There has to be, you know, how do I know it's a good day? Because I've had a bad day. I wouldn't know it's a good day. I think it's an everyday day if I didn't have a bad day. So I've had a bad day, so I know what that's like, so now I know what this is like. It's this part that comes with it. But Paul says no matter what we go through or what we face, we're more than conquerors. Look at verse 23 through 26. He says, Awake, why do you sleep? He says, "Um, O Lord, arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our afflictions and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. So we see this, and we see here, especially in verse 23, he says, Why do you sleep? Arise, O Lord, help us. There's somebody who uh, described this psalm this way. They said the psalm pretty well says this, You helped us in the past, you must help us now, but you are not helping us, even though we have done nothing to prohibit you helping us, so help us. (laughs) And that's pretty well what that psalm's all about, isn't it? You know, you've helped us in the past. You've got to help us now, but you're not helping us now. We've done nothing to keep you from helping us now, so help us. Why aren't you doing nothing? You're God. Why, why aren't you doing it? You've done it before. <laughs> we've seen it. We've heard about it. We've even seen it. Why aren't you doing it now? How do we know that He's not? When bad things happen, how do we know God's not helping us? Do we think God's not because something bad's happening? But maybe that's what they were we're thinking it comes down to trusting in God notice he says and redeem us for your mercy's 
sake. So this psalm here is a psalm, I think, of praise and thanksgiving. But it's also a, a song of, I think, the progression of how we are. Of We remember the past, we remember the present, we struggle with the bad things that happen because we want to know why, but we need to understand that we don't have to know why, that we are more than conquerors through Him.